episode 33 of the one-to-one career conversation podcast this week we're meeting with Catherine moose Catherine is the co-founder at a company called owen they're a leading company in the plant-based protein drinks powders and shake space we talked to Catherine all about her entrepreneurial spirit being a professional soccer player in iceland and how she believes and the science believes that plant-based diets can help in the sport and also business world too We also talk about company branding and why the naming of her current company is truly the North Star for her company and how relationships both from a staff and also investment perspective have had a positive impact on her business and how she's been able to quickly scale her business because of it. I hope you enjoy this conversation and here's my conversation with Catherine. Hi Catherine, how are you? Great, how are you doing? I'm good. Thank you so much for for joining us. So uh, let's talk about your career a little bit to becoming the co-founder of a company called Only What You Need. How did it all begin? Yeah. So Owen was founded, uh, really it comes down to um, the background of my husband and I, myself. Um, We were both former professional athletes and have always been very focused on nutrition, what we consume, how it impacts our performance and just overall well-being. Um, and with that in mind, you know, we almost use ourselves as guinea pigs oftentimes where, you know, we would just kind of test out different, um, different foods, different ingredients, different types of, um, you know, trends uh, to see how, how it impacted ourselves. And what we came across was just plant-based was just so much better for our bodies, um, how we felt at each day, how we performed and um, decided to actually create our own. So you couldn't, it was it more on that you couldn't find what you needed, so you just did it yourself? Or was there other kind of companies out there that you wanted to emulate? What, what was kind of the inspiration? Yeah, I mean, there really wasn't, um, you know, when we started formulating this, there really wasn't very many plant-based uh, proteins out there on the market. Uh, it, plant-based as a, as a trend was just starting to gain popularity and awareness. Um, we saw it at the elite level with some of the professional athletes where they were starting to cut out you know, the, the traditional dairy and whey proteins that athletes are told that they need to consume in order to perform optimally. Um, and what we found was a lot of those athletes actually started to transfer away from that towards plant-based um, options. And because of our backgrounds, we had kind of access to a lot of the players, nutritionists, trainers, coaches, um, that was kind of hinting at this transition that was happening, not only, you know, amongst the everyday person trying to get more plants into their diet, but also at the elite athletic level. Yeah, I mean, I noticed while I was researching, obviously, your company and just in general, kind of the the plant-based diet seen in kind of elite sports and noticed that Alex Morgan, who's the co-captain of the U.S. women's uh, winning soccer team, Lionel Messi, Lewis Hamilton, at all have all adopted a, a plant-based diet. So I was just wondering if you could talk through some of the benefits that you've seen in, in adopting that. Yeah, I think why you're seeing a lot of those athletes um, transition to the plant-based diet is plant, plants are just easier and naturally easier to digest and therefore less inflammatory to the body. So when you consume something that is more foreign, such as dairy, the body has to work really hard to break that down and digest, thereby, therefore um, causing an inflammatory response. So what that means to an athlete is the body is inflamed and needs to flush out those foreign foods before repairing the muscles from the intense workout or game that they just played. 
Um, and I think more athletes are seeing the results just by feeling more energy and recovering quicker um, when consuming plant-based. So, so your company has developed and produced a range of, um, as you mentioned, protein sh- shakes, powders, different drinks. Um, I was wondering, you, you mentioned it briefly there, kind of aiding the recovery phase. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about how plant-based aids the recovery phase for any kind of sports person. Right. I mean, I think it's similar whether you're an athlete or just an everyday person taking the daily beating of, of the everyday life. Um, you know, your body responds uh, to certain things, especially when you're consuming food, foods used for energy. Um, and if it's food that's harder to, to digest, kind of similar to what I was saying before, it's just, it's an, your body has a natural um, reaction to kind of inflame around things to help them heal. Um, so it helps in the actually the, the recovery process, but when it's limiting the ability to recover the muscles and the tissues that have been kind of beaten up throughout through exercise or everyday life. Um, that is where you know, we're seeing the benefits of plant-based because again, your body doesn't have to um, kind of inflame itself to try to break down those foods. So, I mean, we mentioned there three, I mean, like grade A sports stars, I mean, they're, you know, they're next level, but so is it your belief and from listening, you talk there, it probably is, but that, a plant-based diets and these drinks and all those good things can have a benefit on people just simply in the business world. Absolutely. Um, you know, not everyone that drinks our product is, you know, professional athlete. And although we formulated it to kind of meet the standards of the athlete, the brand itself is more lifestyle. You know, we're looking for, and some of our biggest consumers are just the, the everyday mom on the go that's tackling and running around, after three kids or it's the you know the lawyer that's going to work every day and um you know just grinding away so i think absolutely i think plant-based again is a is a great way to um you consume foods that will allow your body to use them more efficiently um thereby leaving you with more energy fantastic so i'm going to now take you back to 2007 and you were involved in professional soccer in Iceland. So how was that? And, you know, what was involved with it? Yeah, it was an incredible experience. You know, I played soccer and hockey in college um, throughout my four years. And, you know, when I was done with college, I wasn't quite ready to hang up the cleats. And um, I had the opportunity to go play professionally in Iceland. And I kind of jumped on, on board. And it was a unique experience, one that I really cherish because I, it allowed me to play the sport I love in a, in a country that really respects the game. Um, so even for women's games, we had big crowds, you know, there was really everyone, you know, in the town. And I mean, Iceland is specifically is so small that, you know, everyone, <laughs> um, you know, was tuned into what was going on on the pitch and, you know, what teams were doing what and, and things like that. So it was a really unique experience from that perspective. It also um, was my first time living abroad, which I didn't, wasn't able to do during college because I played hockey. And so um, it was just like kind of allowed myself to immerse myself in a new culture and um, also get paid to be there, which was the nice perk. Yeah. I mean, getting paid to move abroad and experience a different culture must've been, must've been exciting. What was, what was Iceland like as a country? It's not one I've been to personally, but always intrigued to, to visit. Oh, it's amazing. I recommend anyone go in it you know, it's become a relatively popular, um, tourist spot, uh, I think for the better. 
and it's it's one that's actually very accessible too. This is a quick trip over there, so I definitely highly recommend it. But it's one of the most beautiful places you'll ever be. Um, the people are also super nice. They too are beautiful, and it's just a it's a really just awing experience to see all the vast um, landscapes that Iceland offers. So after a short time in Iceland, you joined uh, CBRE as an as, as an analyst, and that was yeah. you were based in New York as th- for three years. So, what was involved in your your time in New York? Yeah, so my um, I, I received a job at CBRE Capital Partners. Um, it was my first real job out of college, and one that was an incredible opportunity. First of all, it, it brought me to New York New York City. Um, and it was a very entrepreneurial environment. The group that I joined was new within CBRE, and we and I was literally the third person hired on the team. And it was before we even had raised any money um, for the fund. And so I was there from like the very beginning until the end. And so we, over my time there, we you know put together pitch decks. We raised five hundred million dollars deployed the entire $500 million and I also saw a lot of our investments um, exit. So it was a really cool, unique experience um, that I enjoyed. And what ultimately brought me to leaving that was on the side, I had started working on a a different beverage company um, and it ended up kind of taking off enough for me to kind of jump ship and get back to nutrition and, and fitness uh, an area that I was been passionate about for most of my life. So that was in 2011. Was that when you set up the health brand? Um, I can't pronounce this. Is it Vero? Is that how you say it? Vru, kind of like Vru for you. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, so what was that company all about? So that was a functional water company. Uh, it was our first venture in CPG um, in the food and beverage industry. And the idea behind it was, you know, me, myself being a, a female athlete, I saw an opportunity to create functional hydration beverage that was formulated with the female body in mind. Um, at the time, you know, of course, there's Gatorades and Powerades, um, and coconut waters were just starting to take off at that time. But Gatorade and Powerade, being the two behemoths, were, you know, are largely formulated and marketed towards males and male athletes. And so, I wanted to create something that was a little bit more approachable. Um, healthier for one and then also just kind of took into consideration the female athlete too Um, and so we launched that we were distributed in Whole Foods Market, um, Amazon, Equinoxes, you know specialty you know gym and grocery stores Um, and we ultimately sold that business to a private equity company that invested in Owen. So another thing through through looking at I saw that that company was also dedicated to increasing awareness about what we put into our bodies as well and reinforcing the commitment to building a healthier future. So I was thinking about that a little bit more and thinking, is it, do you think it's the biggest problem is the lack of knowledge around what people are putting into their bodies in, in the environment today? Uh, I mean, I think there's a, a multiple of reasons why I think lack of knowledge is definitely one area um, top of the list that, contributes to it. Um, you know, access to quality products is another. And I, I think kind of what's driving both of those is just how kind of messed up the food system is and that it pumped most of the foods that 
people consume across the U.S., especially with pesticides, sugar, artificial sweeteners, you know, ingredients, what have you, that just aren't good for the body. Um, and it's really catching up to us. And I think there's also a degree of misalignment with the customers um, with what they want and, and should be consuming with what the grocery stores offer. Yeah, my wife has been doing a lot of research into you know organic foods and making sure that um, the foods that we have as a family are uh, you know well produced and they come from you know the local area I think is is another key thing yeah. for for us as a family and Absolutely. it's really hard to find mm-hmm. good quality food and good quality um, meats and all those types of things at a, a rate that's affordable but also meets those kind of different criteria is and i assume that must be we're not alone in that that issue no yeah i mean you're absolutely right i mean and think you're close to a big metropolitan city and if you think about um you know all the other towns and cities that are in middle america or just you know not close to access to really high quality either grocery stores or just uh food markets things like that you know it is really really difficult i'm currently in Montana right now and there's one grocery store within you know 60 miles and you know it's the only option so you kind of have to choose there or drive really far. So you mentioned before your previous company and now also with Owen as well you can find your products in you know stores like Whole Foods and Target, Wegmans, CVS, all places that I've spent far too much money in but um, can (laughs) you know can you just describe to me what was it like when you first walked into, let's say, Whole Foods and saw your product sitting on the shelf? I mean, it's the same reaction that I have today. It's just, it's incredibly humbling. Um, you know, every time I'm in a store, I go out of my way to make sure that, you know, the product's there, that it's aligned right, that we're well stocked. You know, it's, it's, it's really, it's really, really cool. And I don't think it'll get old. So do you go, do you go down the shelf and turn all the labels the right way and oh, move course. your product Absolutely. around? Absolutely, Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You have to do that. Maybe sneak in an extra piecing or, you know, try to get some more uh, branding in there. Absolutely. Fantastic. So, I mean, if how do you even go about, you know, when you, when you've got a product like that and you want to get it into whole foods, how do you even go about getting into a company that big? Yeah. So for us, you know, there was a couple of things we, like to involve the retailer, uh, especially if we have one that's important to us, like Whole Foods, where we believe that we need to succeed. Um, we like to involve them in the process. So because of Vrew and, and the business we had there, we had some existing relationships at Whole Foods uh, that allowed us to consult with them or just just discuss with them kind of what we were working on, get their opinions, kind of makes them feel valued and that they, you know they can kind of help um, you know, help this new brand be successful in their stores. And so we like to in- involve them in the conversations early on. And um, uh, that will kind of helps us once we get to that, the point of launching, where we have a good degree of confidence that we'll be able to get into that store too. So, I mean, you've scaled the brand incredibly quickly over, you know, just three short years and you've done great things. And you mentioned it there, you, you know, you, you involve people, you build up those key relationships. Do you think it's those relationships that have really helped you scale and grow as quickly as you have? I think so. Um, you know, I, I think relationships, you know, in any industry are very important, uh, especially in, in 
in ours in the food and beverage industry. Um, you know, so we had a lot of pre-existing relationships. We developed them, um, and it takes a lot of work. It's not something that you can kind of um, take lightly. It's something that you kind of have to massage and and really pay attention to, and and as if it was you know someone in in your daily life outside of work. Um, and then a lot of our our team too had existing um, relationships that they brought to the table uh, that have made a huge difference. So, and you also meant, I also saw online that you had a really cool partnership with a global star to help out healthcare workers in New York recently. I was wondering if you could talk about what happened with that. Yeah. So it was, um, you know, an opportunity that came to us where, you know, Cardi B was, has been a fan of Owen for a really long time. Um, and with everything that's going on with COVID-19, it was something where we thought um, it was a good way to kind of give back to the community, to the, the first responders, and um, kind of help push out that message of, you know, what's important today, and, and that being, um, you know, our health. And we, we think that Owen kind of can contribute to that. Um, and so get, having a name behind us that helps spread that message was, was great. The product was bought for the healthcare workers. Is that, is that accurate? Yeah, it was kind of a one-to-one um, give, giveaway um, where we, um, you know, for every dollar that we, that came into the business, we gave, um, you know, out to first responders. So how has the current global pandemic impacted the business and, and the healthcare, you know, your industry that you're in today? In the beginning, it was it was quite challenging because retail obviously shut down completely. Um, so that shut off a, a big part of our business. That said, we have a really strong e-commerce um, business. And so we saw a huge uptick in sales um, and growth on, on, in that sector that helped uh, alleviate a little bit of the pain. But now that things are starting to reopen and um, it started to come down and back to normal levels and, and retail is, is again, pumping and thriving. We have some exciting um, new launches coming early next year that we're very excited about. You mentioned when we were talking about relationships that, you know, some, some of your key members of your team have brought over relationships which you've been able to, to leverage as well. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, you're clearly so passionate about um, the, the brand and, and the products and, and, and the purpose behind it. But how do you make other people as passionate as what you are? I think it comes down to culture. Um, building culture is incredibly important to the success of, of our company and any company. Uh, for, for us, I think providing trust in our employees and giving them the responsibility to execute is one of the best ways to support them. Um, you know, we've, we've also promoted from within. So our head of sales um, came from within our organization. Our VP of marketing was pro- promoted to CMO and more recently took over as president and he runs the day-to-day. So I have to give really, you know, much credit to the team who's executing day in and day out. Um, they really do grind and we wouldn't be where we are today without them. And I think, um, you know, having them stick around is believing in the product, um, believing in the team and themselves and uh, having some fun along the way. So do you think that also applies to, you know, investors as well? Do you, you know, that cultural fit is probably pretty important when somebody's investing in your business is is that an accurate statement absolutely uh it's it's essential um you know it's, it is a very intimate relationship so it's important to find investors 
investors that share your vision, um, you know, and respect others. There are many investors in the food and beverage um, space. So uh, for us, it was about finding the right match. If someone's out there today and they're interested in setting up their own brand or their own business, and you've clearly done this, you know, twice and been very, very successful at it, what's maybe the top two things that you would give them as a piece of advice when, when doing it? Sure. So I'll speak to the, the macro level and the micro level. On the macro level, it's really understanding who your community is and who wants to buy what you're selling. Um, and then how do you figure out how you can reach them as cheaply as possible? Because there's so much out there, especially in the food and beverage industry. And you really want to find those core consumers that are going to come back uh, to your product again and again, day, day in, day out. Um, on a micro level, it's really understanding industry dynamics. So understanding product margin, retail expectations from, you know, margin expectations to sell through promotional requirements. These are all things that factor into your COGS analysis that will ensure that you have a viable business. And I think this is something that's kind of taken lightly in the beginning, um, you know, and not really understanding all the different fees and things that go into a product and having it distributed at retail. So I'm interested in talking to you a little bit about the naming of the company. So, so a brand that, you know, I couldn't pronounce before, but also Owen as well. And I've heard different people say, you know, it's the most important thing that you can do naming a company. And then others say, you know, it's not really that important as kind of no one really knew what Google was or, or Nike was before they, before they started. So, you know, where, where do you sit on, on that? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. Um, you know, I think, the first thing that I, I look at is, is the name ownable. Um, you know, I, I think naming, um, I like names that, that mean something and have a story, you know, if it's done properly, the name can be the North star for the brand, uh, for Owen, there was a discovery involved. It stands for only what you need. So it's, it embodies how we think about our company, how we think about the product formulation. Um, and it's a mantra we felt like sums up our, our brand and what we deliver to our core customers. And from there, it's incumbent on the founders and early adopters to really bring that name to life across all touch point touch points and, you know, that the brand has with customers and stakeholders. So I, I think it can make a huge difference. Um, and you definitely don't want it to work against you, um, where it's either confusing, hard to pronounce, um, or doesn't really add any value. Can I ask you about your entrepreneurial spirit? You've been involved in two brand new companies from the ground up. You, you know, when you were with, um, you were an analyst in New York. You said it also is very entrepreneurial and very driven and lots of new things. You were involved in sports, which again is, you know, naturally very competitive. So what fuels your drive and passion around being a, being an entrepreneur? I think it's the action. You know, I love action. Um, and, that there's this, always a feeling that there's something to do, that there's always a way to get better and be better. Um, and really success and failure is a direct result of, of the things that I do um, and what the team does in, internally. So I think that really uh, kind of drives me to keep going and, and always wanting to succeed. Is it the, just, I just want to do, you know, be, be better, like be better constantly. Do you think that's like the root cause of it? It seems like that from speaking to you, just constant, constant improvement. Yeah, I think so. Absolutely. Um, and I think I can improve in, in many areas of my life and, you know, especially, you know, when it comes to business, you, you always want to improve and, and make the business bit bigger and better and, and more sound. 
So if I gave you now the option to outline the next perfect 12 months, what would happen uh, in, in your career and in your business? Yeah, for our, I mean, we have some really exciting um, things coming in and then down the pipeline in the next 12 months. So it's, um, we have some exciting new product launches that we're rolling out into key retailers that I think will be very influential with kind of where this brand goes um, and how it can scale. And so I think we're really focused on driving new new product launches and, and opening of the new retailers and supporting that uh, sell through. Okay, so I have some quick fire questions for you. When working with you, what are two behavioral qualities that others just you know have to show on a daily basis? I think I'd have to say resiliency, overcoming the tough times quickly. I know there's no reason to get down about things. We just need to figure out how to recover and uh, and again be better. Uh, the next day. And the other is open-minded. So being open to new ideas and out-of-the-box ideas, because sometimes those are the best. And then what is one unacceptable behavior at work that you just, you know, simply don't tolerate? Lack of communication, uh, you know, good, bad, ugly. I find it most effective and efficient to communicate as a team. So we all know what's going on um, and limit the surprises that come up. Absolutely. So, you know, Kathleen, thank you so much for your time. We I've learned an incredible amount just in half an hour. So um, I'll keep a close eye on Owen and see those new product launches in January. But, you know, I'm grateful for you to spend the time with me and, and sharing your story and a little bit more about your company. Thanks so much. I really appreciate it, Chris. Yeah. I think it comes down to culture. Um, building culture is incredibly important to the success of, of our company and any company. Uh, for for us, I think providing trust in our employees and giving them the responsibility to execute is one of the best ways to support them. Um, you know, we've we've also promoted from within. So our head of sales um, came from within our organization. Our VP of marketing was pro- promoted to CMO, and more recently took over as president. And he runs the day to day. So I have to give really you know much credit to the team who's execute executing day in and day out. Um, they really do grind and. We wouldn't be where we are today without them. And I think, um, you know, having them stick around is believing in the product, um, believing in the team and themselves and uh, having some fun along the way. So do you think that also applies to, you know, investors as well? Do you, you know, that cultural fit is probably pretty important when somebody's investing in your business. Is is that an accurate statement? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's it's essential. Um you know, it's, it is a very intimate relationship. So it's important to find investors, investors that share your vision, um, you know, and respect others. There are many investors in the food and beverage um, space. So uh, for us, it was about finding the right match. If someone's out there today and they're interested in setting up their own brand or their own business, and you've clearly done this, you know, twice and been very, very successful at it, what's maybe the top two things that you would give them as a piece of advice when, when doing it? Sure. So I'll speak to the, the macro level and the micro level. On the macro level, it's really understanding who your community is and who wants to buy what you're selling. Um, and then how do you figure out how you can reach them as cheaply as possible? Because there's so much out there, especially in the food and beverage industry. And you really want to find those core consumers that are going to come back uh, to your product again and again, day, day in, day out. Um, on a micro level, it's really understanding industry dynamics. So understanding product margin, retail expectations from, um, you know, 
margin expectations to sell through promotional requirements. These are all things that factor into your COGS analysis that will ensure that you have a viable business. And I think this is something that's kind of taken lightly in the beginning, um, you know, and not really understanding all the different fees and things that go into a product and having it distributed at retail. So I'm interested in talking to you a little bit about the naming of the company. So, so a brand that, you know, I couldn't pronounce before, but also Owen as well. And I've heard different people say, you know, it's the most important thing that you can do naming a company. And then others say, you know, it's not really that important as kind of no one really knew what Google was or, or Nike was before they, before they started. So, you know, where, where do you sit on, on that? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. Um, you know, I think, the first thing that I, I look at is, is the name ownable. Um, you know, I, I think naming, um, I like names that, that mean something and have a story, you know, if it's done properly, the name can be the North star for the brand, uh, for Owen, there was a discovery involved. It stands for only what you need. So it's, it embodies how we think about our company, how we think about the product formulation. Um, and it's a mantra we felt like sums up our, our brand and what we deliver to our core customers. And from there, it's incumbent on the founders and early adopters to really bring that name to life across all touch touch points and, you know, that the brand has with customers and stakeholders. So I I think it can make a huge difference. um, And you definitely don't want it to work against you, um, where it's either confusing, hard to pronounce, um, or doesn't really add any value. Can I ask you about your entrepreneurial spirit? You've been involved in two brand new companies from the ground up. You, you know, when you were with, um, you were an analyst in New York. You said it also is very entrepreneurial and very driven, and lots of new things. You were involved in sports, which again is you know naturally very competitive. So, what fuels your drive and passion around being a being an entrepreneur? I think it's the action. You know, I love action um, and that there's this, always a feeling that there's something to do, that there's always a way to get better and be better. Um, and really success and failure is a direct result of, of the things that I do um, and what the team does in, internally. So I think that really uh, kind of drives me to keep going and, and always wanting to succeed. Is it the, just, I just want to do, you know, be, be better, like be better constantly. Do you think that's like the root cause of it? It seems like that from speaking to you, just constant, constant improvement. Yeah, I think so. Absolutely. Um, and I think I can improve in, in many areas of my life and, you know, especially, you know, when it comes to business, you, you always want to improve and, and make the business bit bigger and better and, and more sound. So if I gave you now the option to outline the next perfect 12 months, what would happen uh, in, in your career and in your business? Yeah, for our, I mean, we have some really exciting um, things coming in and then down the pipeline in the next 12 months. So it's, um, we have some exciting new product launches that we're rolling out into key retailers that I think will be very influential with kind of where this brand goes um, and how it can scale. And so I think we're really focused on driving new new product launches and, and opening of the new retailers and supporting that uh sell through okay so i have some quick fire questions for you when working with you what are two behavioral qualities that others just you know have to show on a daily basis i think i'd have to say resiliency overcoming the tough times quickly i know there's no reason to get down about things we just need to figure out how to recover and uh and again be better uh the next day 
And the other is open-minded. So being open to new ideas and out-of-the-box ideas, because sometimes those are the best. And then what is one unacceptable behavior at work that you just, you know, simply don't tolerate? Lack of communication, uh, you know, good, bad, ugly. I find it most effective and efficient to communicate as a team. So we all know what's going on um, and limit the surprises that come up. Absolutely. So, you know, Catherine, thank you so much for your time. We I've learned an incredible amount just in half an hour. So um, I'll keep a close eye on Owen and see those new product launches in January. But, you know, I'm grateful for you to spend the time with me and, and sharing your story and a little bit more about your company. Thanks so much. I really appreciate it, Chris. Yeah. I think it comes down to culture. Um, building culture is incredibly important to the success of of our company and any company. Uh, for for us, I think providing trust in our employees and giving them the responsibility to execute is one of the best ways to support them. Um, you know, we've we've also promoted from within. So our head of sales um, came from within our organization. Our VP of marketing was pro- promoted to CMO and more recently took over as president and he runs the day to day. So I have to give really, you know, much credit to the team who's executing day in and day out. Um, They really do grind and we wouldn't be where we are today without them. And I think, um, you know, having them stick around is believing in the product, um, believing in the team and themselves and uh, having some fun along the way. So do you think that also applies to, you know, investors as well? You know, that cultural fit is probably pretty important when somebody's investing in your business is is that an accurate statement absolutely uh it's it's essential um you know it is a very intimate relationship so it's important to find investors investors that share your vision um you know and respect others there are many investors in the food and beverage um space so uh for us it was about finding the right match if someone's out there today and they're interested in setting up their own brand or their own business and you've clearly done this you know twice and been very very successful at it what's maybe the top two things that you would give them as a piece of advice when when doing it sure so i'll speak to the the macro level and the micro level on the macro level it's really understanding who your community is and who wants to buy what you're selling Um, and then how do you figure out how you can reach them as cheaply as possible because there's so much out there, especially in the food and beverage industry. And you really want to find those core consumers that are going to come back uh, to your product again and again, day, day in, day out. Um, on a micro level, it's really understanding industry dynamics. So understanding product margin, retail expectations from you know, margin expectations to sell-through promotional requirements. These are all things that factor into your COGS analysis that will ensure that you have a viable business. And I think this is something that's kind of taken lightly in the beginning, um, you know, and not really understanding all the different fees and things that go into a product and having it distributed at retail. So I'm interested in talking to you a little bit about the naming of the company. So, so a brand that, you know, I couldn't pronounce before, but also Owen as well. And I've heard different people say, you know, it's the most important thing that you can do, naming a company. And then others say, you know, it's not really that important as kind of no one really knew what Google was or, or Nike was before they before they started. So, you know, where, where do you sit on, on that? Yeah, it's, a, it's a great question. Um, you know, I think the first thing that I, w- I look at is, is the name Ownable. Um, you know, I, I think naming, um, I like names that, that means something and have a story, you know, if it's done properly, 
The name can be the North Star for the brand. Uh, for Owen, there was a discovery involved. It stands for only what you need. So it's, it embodies how we think about our company, how we think about the product formulation. Um, and it's a mantra we felt like sums up our, our brand and what we deliver to our core customers. And from there, it's incumbent on the founders and early adopters to really bring that name to life across all touch, point, touch points and you know, that the brand has with customers and stakeholders. So I, I think it can make a huge difference um, and you definitely don't want it to work against you. Um, where it's either confusing, hard to pronounce, um, or doesn't really add any value. Can I ask you about your entrepreneurial spirit? You've been involved in two brand new companies from the ground up. You, you know, when you were with, um, you were an analyst in New York. You said it also is very entrepreneurial and very driven, and lots of new things. You're involved in sports, which again is, you know, naturally very competitive. So, what fuels your drive and passion around being a being an entrepreneur? I think it's the action. You know, I love action um, and that there's this, always a feeling that there's something to do, that there's always a way to get better and be better. Um, and really success and failure is a direct result of, of the things that I do um, and what the team does internally. So I think that really uh, kind of drives me to keep going and, and always wanting to succeed. Is it the, just, I just want to do, you know, be be better like be better constantly do you think that's like the root cause of it it seems like that from speaking to you just constant constant improvement yeah i think so absolutely um i think i can improve on in many areas of my life and you know especially you know when it comes to business you you always want to improve and, and make the business a bit bigger and better and, and more sound so if i gave you now the option to outline the next perfect 12 months what would happen uh, in, in your career and in your business? Yeah, for our, I mean, we have some really exciting um, things coming in and then down the pipeline in the next 12 months. So it's, um, we have some exciting new product launches that we're rolling out into key retailers that I think will be very influential with kind of where this brand goes um, and how it can scale. And so I think we're really focused on driving new new product launches and, and opening of the new retailers and supporting that uh, sell through. Okay, so I have some quick fire questions for you. When working with you, what are two behavioral qualities that others just you know have to show on a daily basis? I think I'd have to say resiliency, overcoming the tough times quickly. I know there's no reason to get down about things. We just need to figure out how to recover and, uh, and again, be better uh, the next day. And the other is open-minded. So being open to new ideas and out-of-the-box ideas, because sometimes those are the best. And then what is one unacceptable behavior at work that you just, you know, simply don't tolerate? Lack of communication, uh, you know, good, bad, ugly. I find it most effective and efficient to communicate as a team. So we all know what's going on um, and limit the surprises that come up. Absolutely. So, you know, Kathleen, thank you so much for your time. We I've learned an incredible amount just in half an hour. So um, I'll keep a close eye on Owen and see those new product launches in January. But, you know, I'm grateful for you to spend the time with me and, and sharing your story and a little bit more about your company. Thanks so much. I really appreciate it, Chris. Thanks again for downloading and listening to the one-to-one -one career conversation podcast. You can find us over on LinkedIn by searching one-to-one -one career conversation, but you can also follow us also on Instagram and Twitter at the one-to-one -one pod. 
I hope that you enjoyed today's conversation with Catherine. I personally learned a huge amount from her and you can just tell that she's a born entrepreneur. She's already spotted two gaps in the market, one with her water-based company focused on uh, targeting the female market and now also her plant-based protein drinks and powders and shakes too. As a reminder, you can learn more about Owen and her previous companies by visiting the link in the show notes. And please do let us know what you thought of today's conversation. And you can do that through any of the social platforms or on iTunes reviews. Thanks for listening and have a great day.